morning. Welcome to Talk Line on the Metro News Radio Network. Do not attempt to change the station. You are surrounded. We interrupt this program to bring you an emergency news bulletin. Repeat, this is an emergency bulletin. Keep your radio turned on. From the studios of WVRC Media and the Metro News Radio Network, the voice of West Virginia, comes the most powerful radio show in West Virginia. This, this is Metro News Talk Live with Hoppy Kerchival. Check set line up like Activated Telos Telephone. Switch network control from Charleston to Morgan Center. Stand by. Q Hoppy, you're on. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival is brought to you by Encoga Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Good morning. Welcome to Talk Line on Metro News from the Encova Insurance Studios in the Dale Miller Building. The phone number is 1-800-765-8255. Text me 304-TALK-304. You can watch us on the video stream. Zach Kirilchuk is handling the video stream today. A lot of ground to cover. Yes, we will get to the indictment on Donald Trump. But first, please welcome the minority leader. I'm going to put that in quotes. Minority leader of the West Virginia House of Delegates, Democrat Doug Scaff of Kanawha County. Doug, good morning. Welcome in. Hey, thanks for Hoppy. Yeah, a lot going on indeed, that's uh, for sure. There is. I understand you have an announcement to make, so go ahead. Yes, Hoppy. Hey, um, appreciate you having me on. So at the conclusion of interims or special session, whichever concludes first, I will be uh, stepping down as the minority leader of the House of Delegates, uh, approximately effective next week, August 8th, 9th, whenever the special session concludes. Um, you know, I, uh, first and foremost, I want to say I want to I thank my Democratic colleagues in the House caucus for giving me the opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, I got a lot of friends in there, politics aside, uh, we travel together, we go to games together. It's just been a great time and a lot of good people on that side, you know. And let me, let, me, let me set the record straight. You know, I wasn't asked to step down. I wasn't forced out. Uh, you know, I just think it's time. I think it's time to step down as a new leader. I always try to do what's right and for my constituents and, you know, my conscience. Uh, hey, hop you back, you know, before last session. I even told my colleagues. I said, hey, if it ever came a time where I had a lot going on and take, take a step back, I would be the first to tell them, um, both professionally and personal. It gives me a chance to focus on. We're continuing to buy more papers. We're continuing to grow on my business, my business side of things and my personal life. You know, I got three kids. They're always playing soccer. They're running around to coach them. But hey, we got a lot of talented people in that Democratic House caucus. And I think it's the right thing to do to step aside this time. Any one of them could step forward, lead that caucus. It's a big tent. There's a lot of viewpoints. There's a lot of ideas. And any one of them can, can serve that caucus well. Doug Scaff, House Minority Leader, stepping down at the end of the uh, Stephanie Allen's minority leader at the end of the uh, anticipated special session. So also, Doug, I mean, you, you mentioned your business interests. And of course, you're part owner of the uh, Charleston Gazette Mail. Uh, you are a businessman. I would call you a moderate Democrat. Uh, there aren't many House Democrats left, what, 11 or 12 or something like that. So are you, do you feel like that you're in step with with those members are you farther to the right than those members i mean are you really candidly the best person to ideologically represent them anyway well you know you know i i felt to mention too you know i had a great working relationship in that role you get to work with speaker hanshaw work with republicans i have a lot of great friends on the republican side as well too you're right i've always been that conservative mainstream moderate delegate regardless of what title I had whether i was part of the 80 member democratic caucus or the the 10 11 member caucus uh, it, it didn't matter uh, my values and things did not change i think you know you constantly you constantly get labeled when you have a, you know a d or an r by your name uh what's going on in D.C. or the national political scene. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, West Virginia is unique and it's our own way. And, you know, there's 
it's it's hard. It's not gonna lie. I mean, that old school blue dog Democrat. You know, there's they're few and far between now. Those blue dog Democrats that you know they were pro guns, pro coal, pro gas, pro life. Uh, they're 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 becoming fewer and fewer, and it's it's it does make it tougher. But uh, you know, I have a great working relationships with all people in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. I I just pride myself as being in you know a mainstream voice, an independent voice, and do what's right for the people I represent. Uh, Doug, you said in a release that is going out or just went out, you said you'll turn over the leadership role to Minority Leader Pro Tem Sean Hornbuckle, the Democratic delegate from Cabell County, following the interim session of the legislature. Then it would be up to the caucus at some point to decide who the minority leader would actually be. Do you think it should be Hornbuckle? You know, Hornbuckle, he's a, he's not only a great friend, he's a, he's a strong leader. He's, he's a, he's a great representative of, of the democratic caucus. Uh, any, like I said, we have, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a small amount of us, but every one of them is talented in their own right. And I think, you know, we leave it, if you leave it in his hands, the, the democratic caucus will be, will be well served and well positioned to continue to grow and expand and, and represent all views of the democratic party. I think he's a great person. He's a business minded person as well. He represents everybody. He's, he's very, uh, you know, he's, he's very, he's very fluent and knows what's going on and has a good, good, good thumb on the ground. So you, you think he should be the, you think he should be the choice? would be up to the caucus. Well, it would be up to the caucus, you, is yeah. That I mean, somebody, is that someone you would support? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's the minority pro temp for a reason. He fills in for the minority leader. He's a good representative of all, of all people in our caucus. Like I said, it's a big tent. And that, that role, I mean, it's a, it's a tough role. I mean, I, I've served it, and I prided myself in trying to bring people together, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, just bring them together, find common sense, common ground. And, yeah, there. It, it, it takes a lot. I mean, as minority leader, you, you travel around the state and you talk to people and you represent. Uh, the one fortunate thing I got to do with Roger Hanshaw as minority leader was travel around the country in a, in a program called Choose West Virginia. And it was great to show bipartisan support to businesses that we're trying to attract here. And, you know, Hornbook will be a great representative for that. He's actually been on some of those trips as well, too. So I think, you know, when you're in this role, uh, not only do you represent the whole caucus, you represent the state. Doug Scaff is with us, Democratic delegate from Kanawha County, who is stepping aside after what's expected to be a special session of the legislature, his role as minority leader. In political circles in West Virginia, in political circles, you cannot throw a rock without somebody saying Scaff <laughs> is going to switch parties, he's going to become a Republican and going to run for Secretary of State. Would you be, I don't think you're going to make that announcement today, but I would hope that you would be willing to acknowledge willing to acknowledge that you are, in fact, contemplating switching parties and running for Secretary of State. You know, rumors are rumors, Hoppy. You, you hear them all. I hear them all. I think you know, there have been people saying that, to, to be honest, since the 12 years ago when I first ran. You know, hell, every time I cast a vote the Democrats don't agree with, they would, they would assume I'm switching parties the next day. Um, it's, that's what you get when you're your own independent voice and, and, you, and you're more of a conservative Democrat. Uh, I did it when there was 80 of us. I did it when there was 11 of us. You, you try to be do what's right. I mean, there'll be a time and a place to discuss my political future, but the bottom line is I'm focused on this special session. We have a lot going on. We sent a press release out last week. We want to put partisan politics aside, focus on the foster kids who are sleeping in hotel floors, you know, fix the correctional issues, higher education. I've always been known to, you know, to be a, yeah, to be a pro-business, pro-family uh, worker, member of the legislature. Um, do you think then as, do you think then you fit, you fit more with Republicans than you do with Democrats? Well, you know, I be. <laughs> I hate the fact that you have to label people. You know, you put R D. Well, by no, the I name, understand. You know, I mean, uh, I'm not act, and I and that's that's a fair point about labeling. But look, in West Virginia, either you're a Democrat or Republican. If you're in office, I mean, you could be. That's correct. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm asking that philosophically, 
do you think you fit more with Republicans than Democrats? You know, I always want to be associated with the political party that, you know, lines up, obviously, with my personal beliefs and, and one that, you know, I believe best represents the views of the people that I represent. You know, oh, of course, I've thought about it a lot in the past. And to be honest, you know, everyone, everyone thinks about, you know, are, are, are you in line with the, with, the, with the right group of people? But I've, it's, been, it's been a pleasure to be serving in, in the in You're the not party. ruling it out. You're not ruling it out. I just, I just, it's just frustrating when, you know, the, the problem here is this, you know, you get labeled, the West Virginians just want people to work together. Okay. They want people, good Democrats, good Republicans come together, common sense solutions. And I'm in a grocery store. They don't come up to me and say, Hey, Hey Doug, um, you need to fix this car tax and don't punish people who want to pay their taxes early, their property tax on their cars. Early. And we're going to try to fix that during special session. They don't say, ask if I'm a Democrat or Republican before they ask me that. They just know I'm an elected official who can make things happen and bring people together. Do you On that, then let's go to that. Then do you agree that there is a fix possible or probable during the special session uh, for that, I think, was an unintended consequence having to do with the vehicle, uh, personal property tax on vehicles? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think there's a fix. There, there has to be a fix. There. You, last thing you want to do is punish people for paying their taxes early. I just hope everybody knows about it and we get it right. It was an unintended consequence. We're just trying to give money back to the people of West Virginia. That was a that was a way to do that and get rid of that property tax, that ownership tax on people. Uh, it's unnecessary, and I think it was unintended. Um, but I think we can fix it. I hope that it's on the special session call. I assume it is. Uh, I know we need to get to work. There's a lot of things. We got to get our house in order, Hoppy. We got to put politics aside. Just, just let's just do it. We have a surplus. Let's get things done. Let's make it right. Let's not punish people for paying their taxes early. And also on that, do you anticipate that? I don't know if you've been in these discussions as well. Do you think there will be uh, on the call and then from the legislature a fix? for the staffing crisis that's ongoing in the correction system. Sure, I sure hope so, Hoppy. We've been kicking that can down the road for a while. I think I think we have to. I mean, it has to be on this call. I mean, what better time right now? Let's focus on it. We can come together. We can we can throw that issue out there and all of us can come together. That's one issue that we all agree with. Regardless of what you're registered or what your party affiliation is, we have to fix our correctional facility. We have to fix our foster care crisis and higher education institutions. I hope that's on the call. I hope we talk about what the fix is. You know, we've been cutting higher education, their budgets for years. We've been cutting, cutting, cutting. And I think we left it flat the last couple of years, but we've been cutting for a while. Came up with a new mechanism. I mean, what do they expect? You know, we got to do something. We got to help these students uh, uh, succeed. But in the correctional facilities, enough's talking. I hope that the Jim Justice, uh, President or Governor Jim Justice, puts it on the uh, the call, and we focus on it. All right. Uh, soon to be former House Minority Leader, Democratic Delegate from Canal County, Doug Scaff. Doug, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming in the studio this morning. Hey, thanks, Hoppy. I really appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Doug. Take a break and be back. When we come back, John Decker on the Trump indictment. Talk line continues after this. Are you tired of joint pain or muscle injuries holding you back? Trust the experts at CAMC Orthopedics and CAMC Orthopedic Trauma for personalized treatment options tailored to your needs. CAMC offers comprehensive orthopedic treatment for all types of pain and injuries. Our specialists provide tailored options from diagnosis to rehab with state-of-the-art facilities for top quality care. Visit CAMC.org orthopedics to learn more. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kirchhoff is brought to you by Encova Insurance, encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. 
Visit Encova.com to learn more. Talk line from the Encova Insurance Studios in the Dale Miller Building. So everybody knows now about the indictment against Donald Trump. Charges uh, one count of obstruction, three conspiracy counts related to what prosecutors claim was a broad effort to overturn the 2020 election based on dishonesty, fraud, and deceit. Uh, let me bring in John Decker. John Decker is senior national editor and White House correspondent for Great Television, WSAZ, WTAP, w, uh, WDTV, and WVVA. And he is also an attorney. John, good morning. Good talking to you. So I'm sure you've read the indictment as many have as I have. What's your takeaway? Well, this is a very serious uh, indictment, uh, and the evidence is pretty remarkable in terms of what is contained in this 45-page indictment. I have read it. Uh, We have emails, text messages, uh, phone records, phone logs. And in addition to that, you even have the contemporaneous notes of former Vice President Mike Pence. And that's just to get the indictment. There may be additional information and evidence that the special counsel Jack Smith has, which he will reveal at a later time. But this is a very serious issue for Donald Trump. This case will take place in Washington, D.C., not a favorable jury pool for the former president. And of course, he will uh, enter his plea. Uh, His first court appearance will be tomorrow during his arraignment here in Washington, D.C. at the federal courthouse. Uh, and uh, obviously he'll plead not guilty, but this judge will likely, I believe, Hoppy, uh, have a trial date which will take place before the November 2024 election. John, interestingly, John Laurie, one of Trump's attorneys, was on CBS this morning, and when asked about a possible change of venue, because Washington, D.C. voted probably 90-95% for Joe Biden, he said yes, and he said uh, there is certainly West Virginia, which is close by. And again, that's just an attorney talking. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. hey, we're here. Uh, uh, just an interesting side note to that. If in yeah. fact, if in fact comes up, comes up. But let me let me get back to the trial to uh, to the charge for a second. Is that having read this, listened to the analysis, read analysis from multiple sides, is that what is key here is the allegation that Trump knowingly, that Trump knew that. Uh, his allegations of fraud in the election, of uh, stolen election, were were not accurate and was told that many times, but still took action to try to change the outcome of the election. Is that a fair summary? That is a fair summary, and it has nothing to do with free speech. It has nothing to do with the words that Donald Trump uh, an- announced during the course of this period from the November 2024 election up until January 6th. It has to do with his actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what this indictment is focused upon. And I, I think that that is a good read. Uh, you know, there were various people in Trump's orbit that were telling him, you did not win, from the Attorney General Bill Barr uh, to his White House counsel uh, to the person who's in charge of election security for the United States at the time. Uh, he told him that, and then he was summarily fired uh, after telling the former president that, that. So he knew full well, and according to some witnesses, including the Joint Chiefs Chairman, Mark Milley, uh, he knew he lost based upon a conversation that Mark Milley had with him in the aftermath of the 2020 election. So it's going to be difficult. I think the problem, Hoppy, becomes mm-hmm. even more difficult because you say, well, how can you get inside the head of the president? Right, well, right. One, way, one way you do it is you hear what the president has to say. I guarantee you he will not take the stand. And that makes the job even more difficult for the lawyers representing him because they'll be fighting this like a prize fighter who has one hand tied behind his back, not being able to put their uh, client on the witness stand. I do not think he will take the witness stand because he will have withering cross-examination that his uh, lawyers will 
rightly not want to put their client through, and that makes that job of defending their client that much more difficult. John, would there be a legitimate defense, though, to say, uh, but there were other attorneys. There were other attorneys that uh, Eastman and Giuliani and Powell and others who advised Trump that, uh, yeah, we think there is wrongdoing here, and we're going to go to Arizona and Georgia and Wisconsin and Detroit. We're going to go these places, and we're going to try to prove these allegations. So is that, isn't, isn't that a reasonable defense? It is a defense. Is it a reasonable defense? Is it a defense that will, you know, hold sway with the jury? It's difficult to see that. When you have the top uh, people in uh, Donald Trump's orbit, the top government officials telling him, look, this, you lost. You lost. And these efforts of you know, putting a, a forward a, a fake slate of electors, that's illegal. You even had his campaign saying, uh, we're not going to go down that road. So his campaign saying we lost, we're not going to go down that road. But then you, you find these these people, these uh, unindicted co-conspirators conspirators who want to go down that road. You're always going to find someone like that. And, you know, I, I, I think this is just uh, a, a, a defense that will not be a good defense for Donald Trump, nor will the defense of just saying free speech, uh, because, again, Donald Trump is not charged with anything he said. He's charged with his actions in perpetuating a fraud. His actions in preventing the peaceful transfer of power uh, that occurred after the election. Yeah, notably, and unless I missed it, uh, John, I don't think there's an allegation there of Trump inciting inciting the no. insurrection. That's not in there. And now, I now it is there is uh, the allegation that he tried to coerce Vice President Pence into uh, you know using the legislative electors or not acknowledging uh, the uh, the electors. So that's in there, but not that he encouraged people to storm the Capitol. That's not in there. Yeah. Nothing in there as it relates to the speech that he made on January 6th itself, and I think that is by design. I, you know, you read the second page of this indictment, uh, already Jack Smith knows what's going to come out of the lawyers and what's going to come out of the mouth of, of the defendant, Donald Trump, free speech. And he addresses it right. head on. Yeah. And that's the reason why he does not put that particular episode, the speech that he delivered before the attack on the Capitol, in this indictment as it relates to being a charge against Donald Trump, because, uh, quite frankly, that particular charge would be difficult to prove. Uh, John, finally, there are two tracks here. One is the legal track. We focused on that. There's the other, which is the political track, and that is the response in the public uh, to this. And Donald Trump supporters and are saying, look, this is this is a weaponized Justice Department. Uh, you know, wh- why didn't you investigate Hillary Clinton? Uh, what about uh, Joe Biden's documents? I mean, on and on and on. The list goes on and on. So there is that. That's the political track, which I think we're going to continue to hear about, which is separate from the legal track. So two tracks. Agree? Oh, I agree. You know, what aboutism, they call it. Uh, I don't think that that is going to be brought up in a courtroom because the judge won't allow it. Uh, the judge will not permit lawyers to talk about other instances that the Justice Department Department did not pursue uh, a, a criminal case against any other individual. It will focus solely on Donald Trump and that and that alone. Now, they can make their arguments out in the public sphere. Donald Trump can say that uh, in terms of interviews and at campaign rallies and hopefully He'll show up on that debate stage in just a few weeks and make that argument. But you can't make that argument in a courtroom. And I think that there there are individuals on his team that fail to comprehend this is a different battle that he's facing. Mm -hmm. This is not a battle against his fellow Republicans for the Republican nomination or a battle against Joe Biden to win the presidency. This is you read the indictment first page. It's remarkable to read this. 
United States of America versus Donald J. Trump. This is a battle that he has never faced before, and it's a daunting task that he has to, to, to win this case and to win the other criminal matters that he's also facing in 2024. John Decker, Senior National Editor and White House Correspondent for Gray Television in West Virginia, WSAZ, WTAP, WDTV, and WVVA. He's also a, an attorney. Hey, John, great insights. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Hoppy. Have a great day. Talk to you real soon. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Text 304-TALK-304. Hoppy, if you can't see that these indictments are nothing more than political hit jobs, then you have simply let your hatred of Trump impair your ability to think rationally, which is a shame because you you, used to do well on pretty much every other subject, says the texter. Hoppy, read page 45 of the indictment. Without a shred of election fraud evidence, Trump conspired to stay in office. May he languish in prison for decades, says the texter. Text 304, talk 304. Okay, take a break and be back. There's more to come here on TalkLine. And when we come back on TalkLine, we'll be joined by West Virginia Republican Party Chair Elgin McCardle. Uh, Elgin has her take on this indictment against Donald Trump and its impact when TalkLine continues on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. It's 10.30. Let's get a news update. Check in with the Metro News Radio Network. Find out what's happening statewide this hour all across the great state of West Virginia. West Virginia Metro News. I'm Carrie Hudasek. Several colleges and universities across the Mountain State are reaching out to help Alderson Broadus students, including Fairmont State. With a little more than a week until the August 11 fall semester application deadline, Fairmont State University is taking an express lane approach to help potentially displaced Alderson Broadus University students. Vice President of Enrollment and Student Live Alicia Kalka urges students to start the process. We do have, again, an amazing support staff here at the university within our student services that will be here to help those students every step of the way. Application fees have been waived. I'm Mike Nolting for WVMetroNews.com. West Virginia American Water Company spokesperson Megan Hanna says they'll officially be stepping in to help the Armstrong Public Service District in Fayette County get back on track after the State Public Service Commission deemed the district inadequate. This is really just an interim agreement for us to step in and provide assistance to the PSB as they work to get back to a more sustainable operation and maintenance for their customers. Residents have complained to the PSC about potentially poor and contaminated water. New State Homeland Security Secretary Mark Sorsea can begin work now that he's taken the oath of office. The former longtime Putnam County prosecutor took the oath Tuesday in the state Supreme Court's courtroom. Governor Jim Justice chose Sorsea to replace Jeff Sandy, who decided to retire. You're listening to Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. When you hear 15 minutes could save you 15% on car insurance, what comes to mind? Well, we won't name the company, but you know who they are. Why? Well, because they've been hammering that phrase into your consciousness forever. They know that if they want your business, you need to know about them before you need them. What about you? What are you doing so people know your business's name? You know, radio creates top of mind awareness. And here's something else to consider. When people are searching your products or services online, do you appear on the first page of those results? Showing up on page one is crucial. The WVRC media team keeps up with the changing search algorithms, clearing that online path to your website. So customers find you when they need you. When you combine a solid radio awareness campaign with web optimization, you'll get far more hits and home runs. Learn more at WVRCMediaSolutions.com. Let's start a conversation. 
Charleston Police, one of many police departments nationwide, are now closer to the people they serve following National Night Out events Tuesday. Sergeant Jesse Redden says the event gives them a chance to show officers in a positive light. I think it helps build relationships, especially like with the little kiddos. They get to know your face and then they come see you whenever you're out and about or if they have an issue or something like that, it'll help them not to be afraid. National Night Out events also took place in cities like Huntington, Beckley, Dunbar and Parkersburg. From the Metro News Anchor Desk, I'm Carrie Hudasek. Talk line from the Encove Insurance Studios. Jackpots in the millions here in West Virginia. Who doesn't want to be a millionaire? Get in the Powerball drawings Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, and the Mega Millions drawings Tuesdays and Fridays. Will you be the next big winner? Play today. The Powerball jackpot is $95 million. The Mega Millions jackpot, $1.25 billion. $1.25 billion. In uh, 12 minutes, I'll do open phones and open texts. Phone number 1-800-765-8255 or text me 304-TALK-304 on uh, whatever you want to talk about. But I think the uh, Trump indictment is certainly front and center. Speaking of which, let me bring in West Virginia Republican Party Chair Elgin McCardle. Elgin, good morning. Good to talk to you. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. What is your take on the indictment of Donald Trump? Well, that's a loaded question, but, you know, good morning, Hoppy, and thanks for having me on the of show. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think West Virginians and American people see right through what's happening. You know, I, I'll let the White House, uh, the Congress and the House continue to pursue the truth regarding the Biden family corruption, but I think it's becoming clear that the president is in danger of impeachment for his involvement in soliciting and accepting money from foreign countries. We'll have to let that play out, but simultaneously, his DOJ is targeting his chief political opponent, that being Donald Trump, Again, just one day after the damning news about Hunter, and on the same day, the New York Times puts out its poll showing Trump victory in 2024. You know, Hoppy, I used to be an assistant federal prosecutor, and I know how this is supposed to work, and this really isn't the way it's supposed to work. Biden's cronies haven't found a crime um, and, and assigned it to a person, as it should be done. They have assigned a person and trying to find a crime. Each indictment is trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. The issues raised are certainly political ones, and they should be addressed on the debate stage where Joe Biden should take on uh, the former President Trump and discuss the political issues. But instead, we are having a um, basically a political assassination attempt, and it's dangerous for our country. Uh, Elgin McArdle's with us, Republican Party chair, also an attorney, former assistant prosecutor, so you know the law. And Elgin, when you look at the indictment, the allegations are that Trump knew or was told multiple times that his allegations that the election was stolen or there was fraud in this state or discovered votes in that state or there was missing votes in another state, on and on, that each one of those turned out to be false. Yet, according to the allegation, Trump continued to argue that the election was stolen and then tried to force recounts and tried to force action in certain states. So, why why isn't that why isn't that action tantamount to a conspiracy and fraud because that's the allegation well number 1 in order to have a conspiracy you have to have an agreement between two individuals two or more individuals to commit a crime mm-hmm. and that that crime in this particular case is is free speech and it's it's Donald Trump's belief on January 6th 
that is crucial and pinpoint to the entire uh, case. At the time that um, the January 6th incident occurred, the election results had not been certified. Um, so the, the certification of those results are the actual declaration of the win. In the meantime, what just because somebody says something to you doesn't mean that you necessarily believe it. And they've got a high burden to show that Trump knew that what he was being told was actually false. What was happening, um, and I think what, what can be shown, is that Democrat governors and secretaries of states had changed the law without the consent of the legislatures. And that was all in violation of the United States Constitution. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 states that the electors are chosen in a manner prescribed by the state legislature. And when the state legislature is, is um, not consulted and the law does not change before an election, and the Democrat governors and secretaries of states are the ones changing the laws prior to the election, that all, in, in I'm sure, probably was tantamount in President Trump's mind, was the alleged fraud. Now, the, the, also, the other thing is the conspiracy. They're alleging a conspiracy between attorneys, his attorneys, and Donald Trump. I mean, that also creates a huge problem because attorneys are, basically look at the law um, and advise their clients based upon what they believe the law is. There's, you know, there's you, you always two sides but, to every litigation. But uh, no, I, 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 I understand and I, I get your point. However, the, the, the attorneys, in this case the co-conspirators, they, they, cannot, they cannot knowingly uh, give the president... Uh, or anyone, you know, bad information that that they are that they know not to be the case. And you know, in the indictment, it spells out that uh, you know Trump's vice president, senior leaders of the Justice Department, the Director of National Intelligence, the Department of Homeland Security, senior White House attorneys, uh, senior staffers, state legislators and officials, Republicans and Democrats, Republicans too, state and federal courts, all all either gave opinions or gave counsel or documented that the allegations of falsehoods in the, in the election, the, the allegations of a st stolen election, simply were not true. So there okay. seems to be overwhelming evidence that the president knew, the president had to know, and his, these attorneys like Rudy Giuliani and Cindy Powell had to know that the allegations were false. No, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that one necessarily goes to the other. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm going to pull on examples. Russia, 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 Russia collusion, COVID was, didn't come from a lab. All of those things were just inundated to the public, inundated to the American voters. They ended up not being true. So what? are you saying that if something is said to you and lots of people tell you that this is what's going on and these are facts and these are true, that you must believe them and their knowledge is their you know, therefore imputed onto you, and you then have to accept that. And if you don't accept that as a, as a truth, and you have your own opinion, that you're not allowed to have your own opinion? Well, of course, and, and, no, and no. Elgin, I mean, uh, clearly, clearly you can have your own opinion, but you can't have your own facts. And when, in the, and look, and the president or anyone is within his or her own right to question the outcome of an election, to uh, believe that they got a raw deal, to believe there was wrongdoing, um, and, and even, you know, and even lie about it if they want to. I mean, that, that's, that's protected speech. But um, I, what I don't think you can do, at least according to what the indictment says, is that when confronted with facts such as 
oh, there were uh, votes disappeared here. No, that didn't happen. Or votes that appeared here. No, that didn't. When you're confronted with the facts of, of a situation, then, then it, that's different than an opinion. Those are facts. Well, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, um, I think what the facts are will be determined by a jury. The facts were also that laws were changed contrary to the United States Constitution. That's fraudulent. That's a fact. That's a fact upon which Donald Trump could have based his opinion that the election was, in effect, stolen. It, 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 that, th- those are facts as Donald Trump, in his, in, in, in his mind, his mens rea, which is what's going to need to be proven. Interestingly enough, in order to prove their case, they're going to have to, to allow Donald Trump to subpoena witnesses. They're going to have to allow Donald Trump to put on his evidence mm-hmm. on what, in fact, he believed was fraudulent. And all of those cases that were dismissed out for lack of standing, he now has standing. So he's going to be able to put on the evidence of why he believed that it had been stolen. Mm-hmm. He's going to get his day in court and be able to show that these are the facts upon which I relied. And then the government's going to have to prove that those facts are, are wrong. And I don't think that the government ha- can even begin to prove that certain states changed their laws contrary to what the state legislature had done. That's, Let me ask you this. Elgin McCardle's with the state Republican Party chair. Let me turn to politics. We've had a good discussion about the law. Let me turn to politics. D- does this indictment, in your opinion, have any impact on Trump's standing with voters in West Virginia or in the country? No. Um, you know, I, I think it, it just uh, cements his support because it is, it's a sad day when we, we, as the United States, have an election system that has always been looked at to be fair. Um, when you target a political opponent in the middle of an election year, or not, not, we're not in the middle of the election year yet, but on, uh, upcoming on the primaries and whatnot, he is basically targeting President Trump who is his number one opponent, who is absolutely highest in all Republican polls. That's clear without question. Um, and and when, you, when you take it to the general election, the American public, and West Virginians in particular, are just not going to succumb to the political assassination and games that are going on. You know, when you look at the timing, of, and I'm sure this has been discussed, but when you look at the timing of the indictments, Every indictment comes within 24 hours or 24 to 48 hours of something happening to the Biden family. And that at some point is going to resonate. Those are facts. Those are facts that are being presented to the public. And we, you wake up some days or I wake up some days and think, where in the world do I live? Do I now live in a third world country? where, we, you know, this has just never happened. And I think politically... Let me ask you this. I, I, I respect horrible. your view. I respect your view. I think you bring up some valid points. It, it, I'll tell you this. To me, it felt like a third world country when the President of the United States called people to Washington on the false notion that the election was stolen and those same people storm the United States Capitol and try to stop the peaceful transfer of power. That felt like that felt like a third world country to me. So well, we may- and I'm sure... You know, in, in whether or not we can, we, he's not charged with incitement. No, he's not. Clearly, his, yes. you know, and everybody, it, that's the beauty of the United States. We all have free will. We all act on our own accord. He didn't tell those people to go storm the Capitol. There's some question as to who was actually storming the Capitol. There's some questions as to well, whether really or not, but... 
Well, 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 there, okay. well we can there, agree there, to there, disagree. <laughs> well, there is, but anyway, but, you know, there were. But, okay, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people who were just Trump supporters and voters who just went to the went to the Capitol that day. Well, that's true. That's and, and true. We're not storming that, and we're arrested. Well, that well, but there are a thousand people so far that have been convicted of actually storming the Capitol and getting inside the building. But nevertheless, we uh, we have had a good discussion. I appreciate you coming on today, giving that perspective. State Republican Party Chair Elgin McCardle, and I've held you over time. You're you have an appointment, and that person's waiting That's impatiently okay. for you. <laughs> All right, okay. Elgin, well, we we I. Go ahead. Can I, can I just call yeah, yeah, you? Yeah, yes, yeah, go ahead. Finish go ahead. up here. Yeah. You know, I think we, as Republicans, we can't let this happen, and we can't let the administrative state depress our voters. We need to get out there. We need to let the voters decide who is going to be president of the United States based upon what they believe in. And, right. You know, you've got to get to the polls. All right, Elgin, good to speak with you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. All right. Bye. Talk line continues. We'll be back in just a moment. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival is brought to you by Encova Insurance, encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Talk Line from Encova Insurance Studios, WVU Medicine Dermatology offers comprehensive services for adults and children. Board-certified dermatologists treat a variety of skin conditions from acne to complicated skin cancers. Self-schedule an evaluation online at mywvuchart.com mywvuchart.com or call 855-WVU-CARE. Pete in Huntington. Hi, Pete. Welcome in. What do you have for us, Pete? Your turn. Good morning. Morning. I believe uh, Elgin McCardle is not telling the whole truth about this. She kept saying the Democrats changed all these laws without the legislatures. As I remember it right, uh, Governor DeWine in Ohio did the same exact thing. He delayed the primary election and made absentee ballots available by mail. And that was the emergency powers of a governor when you got a a emergency situation over to make elections happen. If we had a regional wide uh, flood and people weren't able to go vote, it would have been right and proper for them to take uh, uh, measures to make the election happen properly without the legislature having to come and convene and write a formal law to do it. But West Virginia changed the uh, primary. West Virginia moved its primary too. Right, exactly. West Virginia, Ohio did, and a, a bunch of other states did. And uh, that was the result. I mean, a lot of people were afraid to leave their front door, much less go to vote. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have voted. Uh, and I'm a historic voter. I've never missed a single election since I was uh, eligible to first vote. And that changed uh, uh, between my 18th birthday and 21st birthday. What do you make of this indictment? Me. What do you make of this indictment? I think it... Uh, I think there's problems with uh, both of them, and I, I agree with you that both the Democrats and the Republicans need new candidates, uh, but they need each other. Biden needs Trump on the, on the, on the, the final ballot, the general election, and Trump needs uh, uh, Biden on the uh, general election for either one of them to have a chance of getting elected. Yeah. I don't think uh, I think if there's a, a reasonable candidate on either side, that neither one of them would have a chance of winning. Pete, thanks for the call. You can weigh in at one eight hundred seven six five eight two five five. Text me three zero four talk three zero four. Text Hoppy. I read the forty five page indictment this morning. Very well written, and the facts strongly support the criminal charges. They all come from Republicans and Trump supporters. Bottom line is that Trump would not accept the fact that he lost the election 
knowingly lied about the election fraud and conspired with several others to try to upset the unlawful election of Joe Biden and to undermine the peaceful transfer of power, which is a fundamental principle of our democracy. I hope this case moves quickly to trial uh, so that Trump can be held accountable by a jury of his peers. And a jury of his peers is going to come up because if this is held in D.C., uh, it's going to be hard to find his political peers. Uh, Hoppy, the co-owner of the most liberal paper in West Virginia, possibly switching to the Republican Party. Ned Chilton is spinning in his grave. Hoppy, the set of charges set a dangerous precedent. Attorney and professor at George Washington University Law School, Jonathan Turley, who described Trump's previous indictment of to classified documents as strong, tweeted that special counsel Jack Smith had just issued the first criminal indictment of alleged disinformation. An attorney and Harvard Law professor, Alan Dershowitz, agrees. Yeah, the crit- and I'm not a lawyer. I've just been following it like you have. But the, the criticism is that uh, Trump, okay, that uh, was, was Trump lying was Trump putting out disinformation, and is that criminal? Is it criminal to put out disinformation? No. Is it criminal to lie? No. Uh, is it criminal to know that you lost the election but still say you won the election? No. None of that. None of that is criminal. None of that is criminal, and that's one of the arguments that that is being made and is going to be made on behalf of Trump. That look, this is you have very very broad First Amendment protections, and but. Jack Smith acknowledges that. Page one of the indictment acknowledges that. What Smith is trying to show is that Trump, to establish that Trump knew that what he was saying about the election uh, was false, but that he used that to try to change the outcome, to commit fraud, a conspiracy to commit fraud, to use that to try to get to try to change the outcome in Georgia or Wisconsin or the vote totals in Detroit or Arizona, or to get the vice president of the United States to not acknowledge the electors from those states and to choose other electors. So that's what he's trying to get to, that the falsities were used to try to commit fraud to change the outcome of the election. That's a very, very serious charge and different from just lying about the election outcome. Talk line continues. We'll be right back. Talk line from the Encova Insurance Studios. Text 304 Talk 304 Hoppy. Couldn't Trump simply pardon himself and others of all charges if he's elected? I am not a constitutional attorney. My understanding is that the Constitution, while giving the president broad pardon powers, does not does not speak specifically to that. So there's probably a lot of legal debate as to whether a president could pardon himself or herself. But if you're Donald Trump, what the heck? I mean, Trump thought he could declassify documents with his mind. So, I mean, <laughs> if, if Trump beats the rap on three or four indictments and gets elected, or even if he gets convicted and gets elected, why not? I mean, if you're Donald Trump, just say, yeah, I, I pardon myself. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> uh, let's see. Hoppy, easy to see why Decker's on your show. He's already convicted Trump, says Sue. Uh, no, I have Decker on because I think he's a straight arrow. I don't know what his politics are. He's a lawyer, and I think he gives an accurate take without political bias on the charge. 
I'll be all these Trump indictments are like the story of the boy who cried wolf. Text, would you expect anything else other than a defense of Donald Trump from the Republican Party chair? Donald Trump is a liar and a cheat. Well, look, I wanted to be, I wanted to get the Republican Party's perspective on this. Elgin McCardle qualified to speak to it as the Republican Party chair, the political impact, and also as an attorney. Good discussion, I think, with Elgin. We'll take a break and be back. This is Talk Line on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Welcome back. Hour number two of Talk Line on the Metro News Radio Network all across the great state of West Virginia. Coming up later this half hour, John Elmore, former uh, Marshall player, former Marshall standout, and a key member of Heard That. They're in the final four of the TBT. But right now, please welcome Danny Jones, former Charleston mayor, former radio, former radio talk show host, former uh, barbecue-er extraordinaire. Sheriff. At, uh, former sheriff, former member of the House of Delegates. Former. Wasn't always old and fat. You're not fat now. Stop. <laughs> what do you make of the Doug Scaff uh, stepping down as minority leader? I, th- I think there's more to come. Is he is he still in the Democrat caucus, I guess? Yeah, he would be. Yeah. Well, look for more to come next week. What are you saying? <laughs> I just think there'll be more to come. I don't think it's going to stop with him stepping out as minority leader and Maybe he'll take a shot at some other kind of office. So what and it, it, the and I would put it above if it was just rumor, I wouldn't mention it. I think it's there's a great deal of speculation that uh, Scaff, uh, along with stepping down as minority leader, will at some point in the not too distant future change parties, go to the Republican Party and run for statewide office, possibly secretary of state. That is the uh, rampant speculation. Well, Doug has never been a woke Democrat. He He's uh, I've. I heard him on the floor um, as a back row Democrat that he always liked Ronald Reagan and and uh, it was one of his favorite people and I, I think he's pretty I think his views are pretty mainstream. Mm, okay, uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, what is your take? You were texting me last night. You were going text crazy on the Trump indictment. What do you have on that? It's not what I thought it was going to be. It it's a state of it's it's a state of mind case. In other words. Uh, the old Latin concept, mens re, criminal mind. And the 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 lady that's the Dem- uh, the Republican chairman. Elgin McCardle. All that stuff's been litigated. It's not good. It's, you got to think about what's right and wrong and how unfair it is that other people aren't being prosecuted. But the point is, once it gets in, once he's in the dock, the judge is going to d- decide what, what defenses are going to be allowed. And and I, I listened to the lawyer last night with Brett Baer, and I listened to uh, Professor Turley and Andy McCarthy, and I, I th- they're going to try a First Amendment defense. Yep. And, and, of course, this lawyer wants to put everybody else on trial um, with Hillary Clinton and with um, the Bidens and the, the 50 people that blocked the uh, – the press from disclosing uh, about Hunter's laptop. And- but that's not, and I get all that. I do. And I understand how that fuels the frustration by Trump supporters, but that's not a legal defense. That's right. 
but he says it is. Now, this well, is the okay. lawyer talking. Well, okay. I now, mean, I, not that's not me saying it. I'm with you, Hoppy. I'm but, not a lawyer, but... And, uh, but there's no way that's going to be allowed in a courtroom. I mean, this is, this is peculiar. I thought what they were going to do is tie the White House to the Willard Hotel ho- uh, war room and then maybe out to some people out in the field didn't that were... It didn't go that way. No. It's a state of mind case. And I can't remember what page it's on when General Milley's talking to him about something in national defense. He said, we'll just leave that for the net, next guy. Well, that's the state of mind. And that's well, that's one of the proofs they'll have or they'll put forward that that Trump knew he lost the election. Well, there are some – got the indictment in front of me. There, I don't know where that, that is. But there are several instances where, according to the indictment, that there are individuals you would expect to testify that Trump knew he had lost the election. Right. Which is key. And then a lot of evidence of how Trump and his, uh, you know, uh, Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, Eastman and others were uh, working, were working to, even though they at, at points knew it was false, working to change the outcomes in key states. Yeah. And there was that uh, one member of the Justice Department that, uh, what is his name? Clark? Yeah. Clark. He, he's the guy that uh, he was. Just a low-level person in the civil yeah, division. Yeah, and he got promoted. Like, well, he wanted he wanted to be attorney general. He right. says, "Look, I'll run with it. Make me attorney general." And the the people that were there that were hooked into the Justice Department said, "You'll have a hundred people walk out." Yeah, and yeah. the guy that to watch now. If you watch the January 6 hearings, and I realize they were scripted and, and there was no cross-examination, but most of the witnesses, I'd say all of them were Republicans. Mm-hmm. And the one to watch is Eric Hirschman, and he was one of the lawyers. And he was he was the one standing up to Eastman and really telling Eastman, uh, even after the uh, January 6th, uh, the, the Eastman was still advancing these crazy notions, and he says... He says, I want to hear two words come out of your mouth, orderly transition. And he made John Eastman say him to him. And then he said, John, I want to give you some really good advice. You need to go get yourself a really good criminal lawyer. And that's what Eastman said to, uh, or I mean, what uh, Hirschman said to Eastman. Well, these are, these are, un- and there's like five or six people mentioned as unindicted co-conspirators in this, this is where the conspiracy allegation comes from, and uh, they could be—they could turn out to be witnesses. Or they could be indicted, you know. So they're hanging there too. That's you know? the key, and we know who four of them are. And will—is that what they, they'll be? I mean, it's kind of a clever, tricky way of doing things. Are they already going to be witnesses? Or are they just unnamed conspirators that you're conspirators that you're going to indict later, or? Um, here's here's what I think that again as a non-attorney here's what I think the, the, that Trump's problem exists and that is there is all kinds of evidence and and a lot of the stuff has already come out you don't have to say well it's just an indictment has to be proven it does have to be proven but it's out there of how many entities told how many people how many organizations told Donald Trump uh, d- that any number of allegations about election fraud about found votes disproving votes simply were not true yet. And Trump had to know that. You would think he had to know that. And then still, he continued to make those arguments publicly, no law against that, but then try to use that to try to change the outcome of the election, try to get um, uh, Mike Pence 
to not acknowledge the actual electors. And that, that to me, is a, is an interference with the peaceful transfer of power, and that's where you get that's where you get fraud. And you just that's right. And you just stated the case of in Mike Pence. You know, he and his his coterie that were running down the steps. Uh, there were Secret Service guys calling their families. They're saying, you know, this might be it for us because they, you know, they were forty feet ahead of the, of the mob. And they went downstairs, and Mike Pence will be a reluctant witness in all this, and so will some of his staff. And the fact they were trapped downstairs and reading the Bible and doing all that stuff. And Pence, um, you know, I'm not exactly a fan, but he would, if there was a hero that day, it was Pence. And he went up and gaveled himself out of a job. And it, it, it was the right thing to do. I, you know what bothers me about what? all this, Hoppy? It, it's not the indictment, I thought. It's it's just, if you watch the January 6th hearings, you saw it. This is what this indictment is. It's the January 6th hearings. All right, it, and as such, then, is it, is it, as the critics are arguing, is it then indicative of a weaponization of Trump's opponents and of the Justice Department? Oh, I <laughs> Of course. I mean, I think that uh, I think he'll be found guilty if he. But, but also, you've got Mary Garland just standing. He he's acting like he's a pedestrian. He's he's somebody else is doing this. It's just, and you know, outside of our country, I mean, people got to be looking at this. Whoa, what are they doing? I mean, and you know, I'm not a fan of Trump, but the people looking there saying, they're he's the number one candidate of his party. He's getting ready to get a rematch, and he's getting indicted in several parts of the country. And and I think these indictments are all, except for that stupid case in New York, they're all very serious. And Atlanta will come probably next week. And and the, now the the case that Jack Smith brought override it 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 overrides atlanta it's like yes. atlanta's mixed in with it yeah atlanta's part of it if you know if you are i understand what you're saying dan it's a good point i i personally believe that the, that the indictment is valid frankly however i understand that if you're in bolivia with all due respect and you happen to be reading what's going on in america you go wait a minute this is what we do when we have a, we have a, yeah. we have a political opponent that the, that the party in power arrests or indicts, uh, charges your leading political opponent. Well, like Ali Bhutto in uh, Pakistan back in the 70s, he, General Zia per, performed a coup and then took Ali Bhutto out and hung him. And, and, and I, it just doesn't, it doesn't look good. The, the problem with President Trump, from my perspective, he won't go away. And I think the Republican Party... Is probably going to indict it. Is probably going to nominate him again, and in a two-way race, he cannot win. You don't think? I thought no. I saw a poll this. I saw a poll this week. It said they're in a dead heat. I don't. I care. mean, I mean, Joe Joe Biden. Is, I mean, seriously. Let me ask you this: You you look at, and I know whenever I say this, people say, "Look at look what Biden's done. Look at this. Look at that. Look at the other thing." I understand that. However, you see Joe Biden give a speech. Talk to people. I mean, really? No, I think really. Joe, I think Joe Biden voting for Biden is a vote for Kamala Harris, and because um, I I don't see he's just he's out of it, and it's uh, the Democrats aren't going to do anything about it, and the Re- the Republicans because they want to put up a guy that can't win. Now there is one way, one path, a very narrow path for President Trump. Right. If he if the no labels uh, you yeah. gets traction. 
And who would they shave votes away from? And it's probably more likely to be Biden. So he could get he could finish second in the popular vote, but get enough pluralities in enough states to well, possibly be yeah. able to do this. But it still doesn't take care of Atlanta or New York because well, those are state charges. Here, here's, a, here's an interesting factoid. I, I'm not sure if I have this number right. Uh, Carl Rove wrote about this because he micros the thing down, that if a tiny percentage of the black voters in Georgia who voted for Joe Biden in 2020 don't show up or vote no labels in 2024 and everything else is pretty much the same, Donald Trump could well win Georgia. I mean, it's that it's that close in, in those in those states like that. Yeah. And, you know, Donald Trump cut into the black male vote. Did you know that, Hoppy? He 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 actually he got more than Romney. He 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 actually um, cut into the male black vote. Mm. He it's so I mean, anything's right. possible. But my only vote, I'd like to come back to the Republican Party, but I, I just can't do it with Trump. Danny I'm, Jones, former Charleston mayor and a lot of other things. Uh, Danny, always good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Hoppy. All right. When we come back, uh, hopefully John Elmore. I've heard that one. Talk line continues. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kirchival is brought to you by Encova Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. The basketball tournament, TBT, is down to the final four in Philadelphia. One of the final four is Heard That, the Marshall-based team. They have players from other places as well. One of the key players on Heard That is John Elmore, the Marshall grad. He joins us on Metro News Talk Line. John, good morning. Great run so far. Great run. How's it feeling? Oh, man, it's been awesome. First of all, I appreciate you for having me. Um, You're welcome. No, nah, man, final four, 64 teams to start, four left fighting for a million dollars. Man, it's it's been a fun ride so far, but we're hoping to extend it a little longer. What are you all doing? And you have good talent. I mean, that was clear from the beginning. But what are you doing strategy-wise that is helping you all advance? Because there's different strategy in the Elam ending. Um, great question. I think, um, part of it is just the team's overall selflessness. Um, every, we have 12 players and I'll tell you this, all 12 want to play and all 12 want to play the whole game. But, um, the guys that aren't playing as much or the guys that aren't scoring as much are just as happy as the guy who's scoring 20 or the guy who's not playing at all. So I think everybody pulling against the rope tug of war style together, um, just being a tight knit group has kind of been our, uh, key factor and then the other factors guys are playing hard um competing there's a million dollars on a lot we're not leaving anything out there so it's been fun to see this group uh mold together uh, what do you know john about these other teams and, and particularly i think you have team Heartfire uh tonight what do you know about them um for those guys that watch the tbt um two years ago they beat us in charleston they used to be known as team 23 um they're long athletic got a high level a lot of high level overseas pros um guys that have played in the g league but uh they're a good team man i think they're six seven six ten six ten six ten are all in the starting lineup so four of the five players are above six eight so that's always pretty tough but um revenge is on our mind most of them beat us that one year um and we think we have a heck of a team so we're hoping that we can uh play again tomorrow uh, John Elmore is with us, and John is a member of Heard That. They're in the final four of TBT. So you, you win tonight, you would play t- uh, tomorrow night. So it's a quick turnaround, correct? 
Correct. Yeah, you got a back to back. Wow. Wow. And and look, uh, I think you all played four or five games so far. Then you would have back to back games. Now you're, I would think, in your real good shape because you've been playing G League. I mean, how's everybody holding up physically? Um. Shoot. Good question. Um. You know, when we were in Wheeling, I think we played uh, Saturday and Sunday, so we've already played it back to back. And I think one of the main like things that's helped this team is our depth. Like I said, we have 12 guys, but we don't think there's any drop-off from the starting five to the next seven. Um, so we've got a lot of contributions from guys. We've got a bunch of guys fresh out of college. Um, most remember Tavion Kinsey, who was a senior this year, um, Sun Belt Player of the Year, Jared West, just graduated uh, a year ago as well. So we've got a lot of young guys, and then we've got a lot of current players that are playing in Europe and in the G League. So most guys are in really good game shape, which is kind of unusual for being in the middle of the summer, but uh, we feel good and feel confident. Uh, John Elmore is with us from Heard That. Uh, you played in the been playing in the G League. You played for, I think, Sioux Falls, the Sky Force. What was that experience like, and how much did that help your game? Uh, it was a good change of speed. I was in Europe. I did three seasons professionally in Europe, um, and then I had the opportunity to work out for the Miami Heat last summer. Um, went down there and had some success. They offered me a good deal. Um, ended up getting sent to their G League team and playing in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So just being in the United States, uh, my family was able to come to a lot of games. Uh, I had friends that drove over. We played in Cleveland, so that's pretty close to Charleston. So just being in the States um, and then playing an NBA-like schedule, flying everywhere. I think we played 54 games. Wow. Um, so it was fun, man. I, I really enjoyed the G League. I don't know what's next, but if that happens again, I'd be all for it. So I was going to say, you don't know what's next, so do you wait now to see if Miami wants you? Do you, do you get a tryout to go back to Europe? I mean, what are your options? Um, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking now. Um, wait to see what happens. Um, I think the TBT has been huge because all the, the games have been streamed on ESPN platforms, and then yesterday, or the last game was ESPN 2, and then I think the game tonight is ESPN. So it doesn't get any more bigger than that. Um, everybody's watching. There's not a whole lot of current sports going on besides baseball. So um, a lot of eyes are on the TBT, so I'm hoping maybe – something happens and it garners some attention and we'll go from there. You're uh, you're shooting. Of course, you've always been a great shooter. You seem to be shooting pretty well. You feeling it? Yeah, I think, um, I think just a lot of work's been put in. Uh, I think I'm getting better. Um, just working daily on it. Um, so I'm glad the work's showing, but not satisfied yet. And the goal is 1 million, but I definitely feel like, um, the work's starting to pay off and just keep chipping away. It's good to talk to you again. John Elmore, Marshall grad, uh, now with Heard That, they are in the Final Four. They play tonight. If they win, they play tomorrow night. If they win that, million bucks. You haven't spent that money yet, have you? Not yet. Not yet. But we've talked about a big-time celebration, maybe chartering a flight to Vegas. We're still fine, trying to figure it out. But we got to win it first. you got to win it first. But don't spend all the money on one flight. If you fly everybody to Vegas and stay there for a couple of days, it's all gone. You'll, you'll be broke again, like Monday morning. It's all gone. Listen, John, we'll be watching. Good luck. Have fun. It's good to talk to you again. Thank you, man. It's a good catching up. All right, John Elmore. Text Toppy, I voted for Trump twice, four times if you count the primaries, but he's proven himself dangerously narcissistic. It amazes me how many still support him, says the texter. I will vote for the Republican presidential candidate if it's not Trump, says the texter. Hoppy, your liberal left side is really showing today. Text. Your comments on feeling like a third world country on January 6th, amen. Uh, yeah, the sixth just uh, stays with me. Text Hoppy, I'm with you, says the texter. 
let's see. Criticism of McArdle. Text obvious, but I'm just reading these in order. Hoppy, it's pathetic. These Republicans won't accept reality, spew nonsense to court uh, Trump's support. The fake elector scheme was a conspiracy to defraud the United States and disenfranchise millions of votes. Trump should never be allowed to hold office again at any level of government. And that's that's the key, too. I haven't mentioned that, but if you follow the logic of Trump and his supporters in this who made these arguments, uh, then you are changing the outcome of the election or, or attempting to change the outcome of the election, uh, which was valid, and now you are disenfranchising legitimate votes. Disenfranchising legitimate votes. That is a great point. It's in the, that's in the indictment, by the way. That's one of the counts. I just had not gotten to it. All right, we'll take a break and be back. Talk line continues on Metro News. Metro News is the voice of West Virginia. It's 1130. Let's get a news update. Check in with the Metro News Radio Network. Find out what's happening statewide this hour all across the great state of West Virginia. West Virginia Metro News, I'm Chris Lawrence. Alumni of Alderson Broadus University are reacting to the news this coming semester will be the last for the longtime school in Philippi. Scott Nicewarners, a 1986 graduate of the school and now a city administrator in Hagerstown, Maryland. He says many considered their time at AB to be the best four years of their lives. Hard breaks for, uh, for the campus, for the kids that aren't going to get the experience what it's like to, uh, to, to be in Philippi and to be at AB and, and have that personal care that the, that the instructors and the staff gave to everybody. Most AB students are scrambling to figure out what their next move should be now that the door is closing in Philippi. Higher Ed Policy Chair Sarah Armstrong-Tucker says this will be a difficult process, but not impossible. The help is there, and, and I think we'll be, able, we'll be able to do this. I'm not going to pretend like it's going to be easy, um, but... But I do think we'll be able to, to take care of all the students who want to be taken care of here in West Virginia. A number of West Virginia colleges have indicated they are opening up their doors to assist those students with waivers of entrance fees and financial aid. A murder trial is set to begin today in Mason County for one of two Ohio residents charged with a homicide in Mason County. 32-year-old Bobby Lee Wolford of Cleveland is charged in the March 2022 death of 30-year-old John Gomez in the Mason community. Gomez, who's from Middleport, Ohio, was found dead on a remote road in Mason County after a call to the state police. Wolford and 24-year-old Ricky Parsons Wise of Racine, Ohio, were both arrested in the case. You're listening to Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. You're not the typical salesperson, so why are you in a typical sales position? You want to be compensated for your hard work and success. If you have the skill to deal directly with decision makers, a creative personality that would flourish at the right company, Metro News is that company. As West Virginia's largest media company, Metro News offers an excellent compensation package that includes salary and commission, bonuses, and a 401k. Professional sales experience dealing directly with decision makers is a must. TV and digital sales experience is a plus. You must also have a strong work ethic, excellent communication skills, and a college degree or equivalent outside sales experience. If this sounds like you, send your resume and cover letter to Larry Post, 1111 Virginia Street East, Charleston, West Virginia, 25301, or email to larry.pfost at wvmetronews.com. It's time for you to be anything but typical. Embark on your new career with Metro News. Metro News is an equal opportunity employer. 
United Mine Workers of America President Cecil Roberts has been reelected to a seventh term as international president of the union. Roberts selected by acclamation, along with his running mate Brian Sanson, who's selected for his first full term as the international secretary treasurer. Roberts was first elected president of the union in 1995, and only legendary president John L. Lewis has a longer tenure as head of the United Mine Workers. From the Metro News Anchor Desk, I'm Chris Lawrence. Talkline from me and Copa Insurance Studios. Do you realize your first line of network security starts with your employees? A link clicked on a bogus email or working remotely without a secure connection can wreak havoc on your business. Give your team the easy-to-use security tools they need. Learn more at citynet.net. Citynet.net. Uh, multifast getting ready to start in Charleston. And uh, let's bring in David Fryson. Morning, David. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Happy. It's that it's that most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> the uh, yeah, I, I read your piece in the Gazette Mail about Multifest, and it was interesting. I didn't know the history, and I didn't know that it it was sort of born out of an issue re- related to the regatta. What was that? Well, it was it was a uh, an issue of diversity and just fundamental inclusion. And Steve Starks uh, went to uh, the 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 city fathers and asked for more inclusion they basically told him this is our thing if you don't like it start your own and that's exactly what he did Mm. and it's been going ever since which how many years ago was that 33 years ago wow and it is it is it is a wonderful wonderful celebration really and the thing about it is is that we're at a place now where i think we can we can celebrate even though it might have started in difficulty the cooperation that we currently get from the city of Charleston and the uh, Kanawha County Commission and universities such as West Virginia University and West Virginia State University, uh, Marshall University, uh, the, the sponsors that we have, uh, it, 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 it is a wonderful celebration of diversity. Do you mean we're making progress? Is that what I just heard you say? We're it's making absolute, progress? Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm always for progress. <laughs> <laughs> It's the people who want to keep things the way they used to be that that's the problem. The the good old days, which weren't yeah. they were old, but they weren't necessarily good. That, yes, and you know that's that's a good way to put it. But the thing about it, it is what it is. Whatever it was, uh, it, that's what happened. And so, what we need to do, we just need to improve upon it. And 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 I, the thing about something like uh, Multifest. And really, even regatta and Juneteenth and all the different celebrations, those are things that we learn that we need to relearn how to rejoice together. Okay. Because there's so much negative going on, so many uh, camps that we have, and we spend so much time, such as what's what's going on now nationally. It is wonderful to have a time when we can just enjoy uh, uh, exotic foods. We can enjoy. Uh, diverse talent. We can enjoy uh, uh, vendors, uh, African vendors, and all different types of vendors. And so, to my mind, this is a throwback to those to those long, lazy summer days mm-hmm. that we remember from our youth. And let's let's do it again. I, li- I like that attitude because you're right. This is not about conflict. This is not about 
um, you know, differing views on important, on, on critical issues, although those things are important. This is right. about celebrating uh, or enjoying, enjoying commonality. I mean, the things we have in common. We like to get together. We like entertainment. We like food. We like camaraderie. Those things are universal, regardless of our backgrounds or our heritage, right? I think. That's right. And, and believe it or not, I believe it's this kind of celebration is, is, is going to go to the saving of America. What? Because there's so much negative going on. Huh. We have to find ways that we can come together. Well, I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I, I cannot disagree with you today. David? Well, I don't know if that's a good day for me or not. It's probably bad in some in some circles. It's probably bad for you today. So what kind of things are going to be going on at Multifest? Which starts tomorrow, right? Yes, it starts tomorrow. We're yeah. This year, in our 33, 33rd year, we're actually adding a day. So we're starting on Thursday rather than Friday. And so we have entertainment starting uh, at about 4 o'clock. We have, it is the local night for, 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 for Thursday. And so we have local talent show, but then we have uh, local entertainers. Uh, and the the head the, the local inter, the local headliner will be the Stratus Band. They've been around for about fifty years, believe it or not. Really? And, yes. And uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, Stratus started about the time that my band Ebony and the Greek was uh, was ending. And why did and your band so, break up? Creative differences? No. Well, I actually left because I felt a call from God. That's mm-hmm. a whole nother conversation. And then uh, uh, the, I left in 75. They continued to play for quite a, quite a while. We get uh, 50 years after, after uh, Ebony and the Greek, I still have people calling and asking about it. It's, it's pretty amazing. I can't believe you, you ruined the band, man. I can't believe you left the band. I mean, that's like, uh, you know, somebody, um, I don't know, Pete Best leaving the Beatles. You know, I mean. <laughs> well, the difference is the Beatles went on the worldwide acclaim. <laughs> And and uh, when I when I left, the, the best days were behind me. Oh, now. <laughs> so I I, some, I, interru- I interrupted you. We, we can't go through everything, but give me just a sense of the next couple of days. Well, the, 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 e, the EU band, which is a go-go band uh, from, from the Washington, D.C. area, is the okay. headliner on Thursday. Ladies' night. And we're asking people to wear all white. You know, we're, 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 we're doing the P. Diddy thing. Okay. Uh, ladies' night is Friday. Uh, yo-yo, hip, hip-hop rapper Yo-Yo. Sunshine Anderson and Kiki Wyatt, uh, the, the, the headliner for Multifest for Saturday. We actually have three major headliners, John D., Life Jennings, and the American Rhythm and Blues, R&B musical trio next. Mm-hmm. Sunday, we're returning back to Children's Day, but we also have some gospel. We're going to have a church service there at, at 1230. Then we're going to have uh, 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 Crystal Rucker, who, who is just a phenomenal uh, powerhouse soprano and award-winning uh, singer-songwriter. But then we're going to end the night with a throwback, and we're going to have the Gap Band. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is. That's, uh, now you're getting in my territory. Yes, sir. That, I, I, I figured the old heads would wake up when I said that. <laughs> And it's the Gap X band. It's basically the Gap band, but, mm-hmm. you know, with contractual obligations. It's the Gap Act X band. That's fine. And then, then Sunday night we're going to have uh, uh, fireworks. Okay. So it's something for everybody. That's cool. You know, I saw, I was looking at the lineup, and I saw all white ladies night. I said, that's interesting in diversity. They're having only white people at the ladies. No, no we're, <laughs> we're asking you to wear white. <laughs> only only Hoppy Kershaw will pull that from I that. know, right? Jeez. 
<laughs> Stuck in the past. Stuck in the past. Yeah. So listen, man, it should be great. Uh, yeah. Hope hope the weather cooperates. And um, I, if you go, look well, for Friday. What? I can't come down. I can't. I got stuff to do. Okay. Well, I understand. I, you know, I, I don't. I, I I don't leave. I hardly leave the house. You know that. I, I acrophobic. Needs to be important. What's that? I said I understand what it means to be important. Uh, in my own mind. <laughs> in my own mind. Hey, man. Seriously, good luck with it. Uh, it's great. Thirty third year. You guys have fun with it. Okay. Have a good time. Yes. Thank you so much for the exposure. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, David. When we come back, there is a new owner of Omnis Fuel Technologies taking over, buying, ha- having bought. The Pleasance Power Station. What is the plan for that? Talk about that after this. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival is brought to you by Encova Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Talk Line from the Encova Insurance Studios. We've talked a lot about the future and fate of the Pleasance Power Station. That is a coal-fired power plant uh, along the Ohio River. And it was targeted for closure by the previous owner. It looked like it was going to close. But a company called Omnis Fuel Technologies has come in and has bought the plant and is going to, it's, it's been, um, it hasn't been mothballed, it's been kind of shut down for a while, but they're going to restart it and eventually convert it to hydrogen. But let's find out more about that from Rich Hume. Rich Hume is president of Omnis Fuel Technologies, a new owner, and he joins us on Metro News Talk Line. Rich, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Hoppy. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate great. it. What's your company's interest in this plant? Well, we have purchased the plant, uh, just closed on the acquisition yesterday, and um, we have been uh, excited about the opportunity to bring a a new technology in converting coal to hydrogen and then using that hydrogen as the fuel source for the plant, and that's our our plan here. Rich, is that a a, uh, new, uh, is that a scalable technology? Is that established, or do you all have to figure some of this out as you go along? We have done uh, a lot of uh, uh, R&D on this, and, and we have commercial demonstration uh, prototypes that have been in place for years. And, uh, but this will be our first full-scale uh, plant. Obviously, we'll be learning a lot as we go through it, but our, our, uh, our expectation is that it, will, it, it is scalable, and uh, we intend to be successful here with this first plant and then move forward uh, with other plant, other coal-fired plants. Uh, Rich Hume is with his president of Omnis Fuel Technologies, uh, who just bought the Pleasant Power Station. Uh, Rich, it's a big country. I think you guys are California-based, but correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, I think you could look have looked at a lot of places, maybe even started from scratch. So why this facility way over here? Yeah, that's a good question, Hoppy. Uh, you know, we you're right. There are lots of options. There are over 200 coal-fired power plants in the country, and we've looked at many of them. Uh, and there was high interest from others. But I'll tell you, the, a few of the things that drew us to this particular plant, first of all, it starts with uh, Governor Justice, who has been so supportive of, of this activity and, and the development of the industry, further development. And then uh, the local uh, community here with the Pleasance County uh, we've been we've been very influenced by uh, the Pleasant County uh, Commissioner Jay Powell, who has encouraged us and been a 
a real advocate and a facilitator of the process. The community has welcomed us here, and the plant itself, the history of the plant, has has been has been very uh, welcoming and open and encouraging to us. And so the whole combination really just made this plant the best choice for us. Well, I, I, I tell you, Rich, and obviously you know Jay Powell well now, the county commissioner, but we've talked to Jay many times. I mean, Jay's been working his butt off on this thing for a long, long time. I mean, he's devoted half of his life to this thing, I think. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. So uh, without getting too far down in the weeds, let's go back to the technology. How's this work exactly? Are you still going to buy coal and coal gets converted to hydrogen and then hydrogen is is, is burned? I mean, how's it work? Yeah, I'm, and I'm happy to talk about that. Um, one of the things that we're most excited about here is that uh, with the with the recent significant decline in the coal industry, uh, in general, we are excited because coal will be the ultimate source of the fuel. Uh, we will convert the coal to hydrogen through a process that um, that uses a high, uh, an ultra high temperature pyrolysis, and uh, converts the coal to hydrogen and graphite. The hydrogen portion that comes off will be piped directly into the into the power plant, which allows us to avoid the typical challenges with hydrogen of transportation and storage, which mm. is very expensive. Yeah. We won't have any transportation and storage because we'll go directly into the power plant, and then the power plant will burn the hydrogen as its fuel source and generate power. Uh, who will buy it? Will you just sell it to the grid? Is that what you'll do? Yes, it will be sold to the grid through the PJM network. Are you all benefiting from the Inflation Reduction Act? There's a lot of money out there for technologies such as this. Is this made possible in part by that? Uh, we anticipate some opportunities through the Inflation Reduction Act, the, uh, the rebates that are available for the production and use of hydrogen. Uh, but we have our own uh, funding sources for the plant and for the uh, the. the the uh, conversion that we will make, we're going to build a hydrogen production facility on some adjacent property, and then we'll we'll convert the power plant. And the funding for that, uh, we have sources for that as well. Will the green community be happy with you that you're burning hydrogen, or will they be upset because you're still using coal? Well, there might be some elements of the coal industry that are still negative to them, but uh, in fact, uh, the coal will be um, will be converted to hydrogen through a process that produces essentially no greenhouse gases. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say at least a, a 95% reduction from current uh, burning of coal. Uh, our conversion of coal to hydrogen will produce essentially no greenhouse gases. And then, of course, the hydrogen as a fuel source uh, produces no greenhouse gases because as, as hydrogen is burned, the only uh, emission from that is water vapor. Mm. Rich, so we think the environmental community is going to be very positive on that. Rich, finally, about 100, 150 people work there now, and it's that uh, plant, as you've learned, very important to that community. Will all those people continue to work there? Reduction of workforce, expansion of workforce, what do you see there? Well, that's one of the things that really drew us to this plant to begin with is that the workforce... Uh, and the timing was interesting because they were looking at uh, at the plant closing. So when I first visited uh, the plant, I, I learned firsthand about the about the workforce and met many of them. And uh, they are all staying on. 
the entire workforce is staying on. And then as we expand into our hydrogen production facility next door, we will actually be able to expand on the workforce. And I, we don't yet know how many people we will employ there, but it will be the current workforce plus more. Okay, Rich Hume, president of Omnis Fuel Technologies, new owner of the Pleasance Power Station. Rich, uh, congratulations. Good to have you on West Virginia. So it's good to have Thank you here. Thank you very much, Hoppy. All right, you take good care. Appreciate it. Okay, so Pleasance Power Station, new owner, new technology. Uh, hope for the best there. Are you ready to advance your career? Workforce West Virginia is here to help you take the next step toward more fulfilling employment. They have customized training programs where individuals can enhance their skills, their knowledge. You can align yourself with high-demand industries, but that's not all. Workforce West Virginia connects you with employers who value your expertise. We'll help you. Workforce West Virginia will help you showcase your talents and secure that dream career advancement opportunity. So if you're ready to start advancing your career, Start with Workforce West Virginia. Visit WorkforceWV.org to learn more. This outreach campaign is 100% financed by federal funds. Talk line on Metro News from the Encova Insurance Studios. Jackpots in the millions here in West Virginia. In fact, the billions. Who doesn't want to be a millionaire? Get in the Powerball drawings Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, and the Mega Millions drawings on Tuesdays and Fridays. Will you be the next big winner? Play today. The Powerball jackpot is $95 million. The Mega Millions jackpot, $1.25 billion. $1.25 billion. Text topy Republican Party Chair Elgin McCardle is so sharp. Great point that Trump now can make arguments he could not make in 2020, says the texter. Great Republican guest speaking the truth, Hoppy, but your colors are showing, says the texter. Well, I intend for them to show. Text, Hoppy, I'm surprised that Trump cult members are able to breathe with how far they have their heads shoved up Trump's you-know-what. They must really like digesting... Uh, amber, whatever. Hoppy, you don't see the two-tier justice system we have. There's tier one for Trump and Trump supporters. And they say tier one, I think another tier for Democrats. Just look at what they're doing to Trump and his people around him. Then look at Hunter. Wake up, Hoppy, please. Hoppy, I find the blind following of Trump by our Republican leadership disturbing and dangerous to the Republic, says the texter. Hoppy, 78 felony counts so far. No West Virginia Republican will criticize your leader until he no longer holds power over their election chances, all in pursuit of power, regardless, regardless of the lies they have to tell, says the texter. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. Uh, an individual who's paraphrasing or maybe quoting accurately, Joseph, is it Goebbels said that? Happy the Bidens, the Democratic Party, Department of Justice, FBI, the rest of the crooked D.C. rats know they're going to go to jail if Trump gets back in office. They're trying to make up any false accusations on former President Trump, says the texture. Happy Megan McCardle just, uh, I mean, um, Elgin McCardle just handed you your keister. 
I used a different word. See you tomorrow. This has been Talk Line on Metro News. Metro News is the voice of West Virginia.